So, last week we began the Bread of Life Discourse of Jesus and we read the Gospel of the multiplication of the loaves and the feeding of the crowd. And so what we see in today's Gospel is the next part. The crowd, after having been fed and arguably being hungry again, begin looking for Jesus. And he actually sort of alludes to this fact. They've come searching for him because they want bread. They want to be fed again, that they're hungry. And so they come to the Lord looking for food. Sort of in the same way we see the Israelites in the very first reading today. They are hungry. They've left now uh, Egypt. And even though they're free, they wish they were back with their flesh pots, where they had that consistent meal. And so they come grumbling and complaining to Moses and ultimately to God, looking for food. And so if we take both of these passages and sort of apply it to our own lives, we can see sort of a deeper spiritual truth or reality. The fact of the matter is, is that these individuals who are going to Jesus, going to God, looking for food, that's us, all of us who go to God, who go to Jesus in times of need, in times of hunger, in times of suffering, and in time of failure. We go maybe when we need help for an exam because we haven't studied enough. We go to God when we're out of work because we're looking for a job. We want someone to accept our application. We go to him when we're sick or we're lonely or we go to him when we are hungry. And this is not bad in and of itself. We need to go to the Lord with our needs. And so often we go whenever we are struggling or suffering. But if we think about it, this attitude of primarily going to God when we need something or when we're suffering or when we're lacking something gives the impression potentially to others potentially to unbelievers, that God is nothing more than a fabrication of our own invention. That whenever we need something and we can't produce it ourselves, oh, then we come up with this idea, this construction of God, this deity who's there who's going to provide for us. That it seems, or it might seem to other people, that God is nothing more than a construction out of our necessity. We've reached our limits. We can't cure ourselves. We can't provide food. We can't get a job. And so we can't go any further. And so we rush to God to fill in the gaps to make up for what is lacking. But as power grows, as our knowledge grows, as our capability grows as individuals and as a society, a culture, and a church, and guess what? We can do it ourselves. So we really don't need him as often as maybe we once did. And so, as a result, what happens? We all of a sudden quit believing in God because he's no longer a necessity. So think of it today, and this is something I thought about last week, how difficult it would be at the time of Jesus to feed 15,000 people. It's not like going down to this big convention center where they can feed tens of thousands of people at a time. We, whether it be as a big group or as even as individuals, we don't need to go to God for food. 
When we're hungry, we go to Albertsons. We go buy what we need. Whenever we are sick, we don't need to cry out to God anymore, please heal me. We go to the doctors, we get the antibiotics, we have the surgery. And so it seems, at least I think we can maybe make the correlation, we see a rise in atheism in our culture. People don't pray to God as much. Why? Because we need him less. And so it sure seems to a lot of other people, well, they don't need God anymore, so he doesn't exist. It's just a fabrication of your own necessity. A God of the gaps, or as we'll see, a God of the limits. Even people who are believers, who go to Mass on Sunday, who pray, actually, if we're going to be honest, a lot of us are just practical atheists. We really don't need God for anything. We can go through our daily life and do everything, and all of our needs are provided for us, but yet we don't really lack anything. And ultimately, we give the Lord lip service, but we are really not dependent on him. We're dependent on our medicine, our technologies, and our modern conveniences. And trust me, I do not want to go back to primitive times. I don't want to go back to the time where I can't go down to Champagne's and get what I need at 7 o'clock at night. I don't want to go back to the time whenever, you know, I'm sick and i got to get my leg hacked off because I can't have the necessary surgery or medicine. I don't want to go back to that. None of us do. So the challenge, this is the challenge. How do we as believers who understand that we haven't just constructed this idea of God out of our own necessity, how, when the fact that in our culture so many of our needs are met, that we're not lacking, that we're not going hungry, how can we still believe in God? And so I stumbled upon a, a quote from one of the great sort of Protestant theologians of the last century. Some of you may know him. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you want to read a really great biography of a religious figure, read Eric Metaxas's biography of Bonhoeffer. It's really big, but you won't regret it. He was a German Lutheran theologian who wrote a lot of really fantastic books, did some great theology, but was also involved in uh, the Valkyrie Project to overthrow Hitler. Of course, he got caught, and as a result, he was murdered. Fascinating life. But in his Letters from prison. He wrote these very famous letters from prison. There's this one quote that I stumbled upon. I'm going to read to you today that I think explains it all. It's deeply insightful. It was back then and it is today. He says, I should like to speak of God, not the limits, but in the middle. Not in the weakness, but in the strength. And thus, not alongside death and guilt, but in the life and goodness of man. The life and goodness of man. What is he saying? He's saying that instead of only speaking of God when we are in our poverty, the limits, weakness, death, sickness, suffering, hunger, whatever it is, we need to be speaking of God in the goodness, in our strength, in the abundance, in the gifts that we have received in our lives and in our culture. Not just speaking of him and the good things, but giving thanks for those good things. Wow! I'm not suffering. I've got all my needs met. My life is pretty good. Thank you, Lord. I feel really, really blessed. And not just do it today because I'm telling you to do it. 
but do it as a habit, seeing everything as a gift. Hopefully, this, or at least ideally, this is what the crowd would have done after Christ fed them. Our needs are met. Thank you, Lord. That's so wonderful. It's so great. Probably maybe they were all 15,000 trying to thank him. And Jesus said, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to have some introvert time. I'm getting out of here. And so it's that attitude of thankfulness for the abundance that we have received, particularly in our world, our church, and our culture today. And so I think it, though, ties us to the focus of the gospel we hear today, and we're going to really be hearing it over the course of the next several Sundays, the gift of the Eucharist, that Jesus gives us at least spiritually everything we need, his body and blood, soul and divinity in the gift of the Eucharist. Eucharist, which means what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And so, primarily, we come to Mass not out of our need. Indeed, we can ask and we should ask the Lord for things, but we come to give thanks. To give thanks and to receive that gift of the Eucharist. And I think an argument can be made. This may be one of the reasons that so many people struggle with mass attendance. Ah, they come when it's convenient. They come when they feel like it. It's not a big deal. Because they say they get nothing out of mass, so they have other things going on. Why? Because probably our God, if that's the case, is a God of the limits. And we only really come to him and we need something. And guess what? We really don't need the Eucharist. Our life is going great without it. But if we have the attitude of abundance, that we go to the God of strength, the God of that superabundance, we're going to come to give thanks. To give thanks for all that we have received. And so I think it's the key to getting more out of life and more out of Mass. Giving thanks to the God gives to us generously, even giving us a son who in turn gives us that greatest gift of his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Amen.